Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 141. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation. Dave, the Pittsburgh Steelers wrapping up their three-week of voluntary OTAs on Thursday. They'll be back on the practice field, though, next week for their three-day mandatory minicamp, which is essentially, in essence, the same thing. Uh, there really weren't any players missing from the voluntary part of OTA, so That'll be basically status quo, but one step closer to training camp. We have those dates announced, so uh, a fair amount going on right now. Man, happy uh, happy Friday, uh, and I'm super excited uh, on this Friday because it, it, it sounds like the Steelers are going to trade for Chase Young and <laughs> uh, sign uh, Dalvin Cook. Oh, wait, no. Uh, it's just speculated that that those things uh, might could happen. No, uh, that's as good a place to probably as any to start, you know, addressing that. Uh, well, obviously. I, I, I got to ask you about one unrelated sports thing. So people don't want to hear this, this nonsense for me. Fast forward about 90 oh. seconds. Uh, this story will either mean nothing to you or everything to you, but it's in your neck of the woods. And it was all over my timeline yesterday. Have you seen any nine to ten foot aliens in your backyard at all? I, I, it sounds like you're aware of the story. <laughs> yeah, I am, and it's. Uh, I watched it again uh, this morning, and I don't know, man. We got Area 51 out here, right? Uh, I, I, I'll leave it at this. Uh, nothing would surprise me. Uh, not even that. <laughs> n- not even that. Uh, okay. Do I am I open to the thought that there might be life out there elsewhere uh, from this planet? Uh, I I have not closed. I have never closed out that thought uh, of that. Uh, it, is there has things happened in in the past with this uh, planet that maybe we're not privy to the information of? Uh, I, I believe there's a, a, a chance of that. Have I uh, seen any any aliens before? Well, I don't. You know, you go back to my my youth and some of the things that I used to do. I've I've seen a lot of stuff <laughs> <laughs> in Vegas. Though, have you ever seen anything weird in the sky, like legitimately that caught you by surprise? No, I mean we oh. on clear nights you can see a lot of you know, shooting stars and things falling out of the sky, but, uh, nothing, nothing that would believe uh, had lead me to believe it'd be anything more than, than, than a, than a shooting star. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's become quite, quite popular clip, uh, not only in Vegas, but, uh, on social media as well too. So, uh, if we find look, uh, I'd have to get the measurables on them. You know that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Their length should be pretty good. They can play O line for Pittsburgh, I think. They got the if, length they look for. Hey, if they're if they're anything over six uh six five uh three hundred something pounds, I'm I'm gonna I, I'm I'm gonna investigate. 
uh, <laughs> uh, for sure, because uh, that would fall into the planet theory type. In, you know, so I, I would I would immediately direct it towards NFL measurements and all like that. But no, the, no, I've the other never planet seen, theory. Yeah. yeah, the other planet theory. There you go. <laughs> Nicely done. Just for the record, because I, I'm legitimately into this stuff and I, I want these stories to be true so bad. I went down a deep rabbit hole yesterday looking at different YouTube videos. Uh, one of the, the members of that house did a podcast even before this became a national story yesterday. I don't believe it's true. I listen to the story more. It sounds more and more farcical the more that you hear about it. I don't know what exactly the, the explanation is, if it's a prank, if it's some confusion or what. But as much as I would love for it to be true, the more that I, I did research on it, the more I go, eh. I don't think this is the uh, the full story here. Do you think there's? Do, are you open to the possibility of there being other life forms out there? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think like just mathematically, and I I mean there are so many I think more interesting UFO stories. Whether you're talking about Commander David Fravor to Roswell to Kecksburg to uh, the the Phoenix Lights to to a million other stories that are really interesting, the Tic Tac, the Go Fast. I mean, I think there's some really compelling stuff. This one, to me, based on the evidence that I've seen so far, just does not does not pass the sniff test. Boy, I did not have uh, Speeders <laughs> Depot X Files edition. <laughs> let's go hunt some aliens, Dave. Come on, let's go. I Alien. don't know. It might be a lot more interesting than what we we've got to talk about uh, uh, today there. But uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't have that on the bingo card uh, uh, this morning here. But hey, you never know what you're going to get on this podcast, especially <laughs> uh, in in the open. Uh, back to the Steelers uh, X Files. Uh, yes. Uh, the the whole look uh i every time somebody of 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 prominence looks like they might be traded or cut you know instant, and i and i'm willing to bet this happens with 31 other franchises around the league with their fan bases uh as well too but uh the whole chase young you know thing you know look i get it mike tomlin you know that conversation on on the sideline with chase young a couple years ago there you know, uh, had had people excited uh, at, at the time, thinking that maybe one day Chase Young could be a Pittsburgh Steeler. And look, maybe he could down the road. But uh, as I wrote the other day, just contractually and with with Chase Young being in the final year of his contract after not having his fifth year option picked up and he's got a roster bonus tied to him. Uh, I think that matures on August the 1st. You know, if, if Washington, if Washington were to trade him, it would it would probably happen before August first. But once again, you're talking about a, a a guy that would come come to whatever ever team with like a five million dollar cap charge, potentially be a one year uh, rental type situation uh, in Pittsburgh specifically. You know how how would you know you're going to probably extend Alex Highsmith this offseason. Mm-hmm. You know, how how would he fit you? You just signed Marcus Golden. You know, nothing adds up uh, with with the plausibility factor of Chase Young landing in the Steelers this year. Now, if you want to get past this year and start having conversations, look, I, I think it's best served really for both parties, both Washington and Chase Young, for uh, him to 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 play out his final season you know, uh, with, with, uh, with, with this, uh, with Washington and then see what happens there. I mean, he, he hasn't played in a lot, you know, 
what, 12 games or 15 games? I forget how many games over the last two seasons there. Uh, it, it, it just, you know, everything smells like him staying in Washington unless Washington was just to get an offer that would blow their socks off uh, for him. It doesn't make a lot of sense for him to leave Washington unless he wants out, uh, which, you know, he's not going to get a, a, an extension with another team, I wouldn't think. Uh, so none of this, ad, basically none of this adds up to him potentially being uh, traded to the Steelers. And really, I, I, I'll be surprised if Chase Young is traded at all this summer. So that 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 should end that with Chase Young. Yeah, I'm with you, Dave. I don't want to rule out that some point down the road, and I know that you probably agree that maybe Chase Young could become a Steeler, given the pedigree, Tomlin's affinity for the high draft picks. There's that clip from, I think, maybe Young's rookie year where Tomlin says, you know, I'd hate to draft guys like you because that means I had a terrible year and I'm picking, you know, top two, top five. But this year's not going to be the year based off of Pittsburgh's construction, you know, signing Marcus Golden, drafting Nick Herbig. As you said, I, I'm with you. I think Young ultimately stays in Washington for the 2023 season. Down the road, who knows? I'm not going to rule that out. I don't think it's a crazy thought. I haven't really given how much plausibility to the idea there is beyond 2023 because who the heck knows what things will look, look like a, a year from now. And obviously, you'll have Highsmith, presumably long-term, and TJ Watt. So where does Young fit into that? You know, We'll see how the season goes for him. But yeah, this year... Um, it's trendy. It's the off season. I get why people are talking about it, but there really isn't a lot of legs to this story. Right. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just off season speculated fodder, you know, kind of stuff. Look, I mean, if he had a couple more years left on his contract or something like that, maybe we could entertain some sort of, uh, discussion on it, but just the way things sit right now with his contract and with, uh, the, the price involved and what the compensation would be, uh, all that, none of it adds up to, to, to be implausible at all. Now compared to the idea of Dalvin Cook coming to Pittsburgh, Young looks a whole lot more sensible. And the only person I've seen, not even, I haven't even gotten a straight Twitter comment about Dalvin Cook, who is expected to be released by 4 PM today, barring some sort of last second trade, which probably will not materialize, but we'll see. Uh, on episode speak, Joy Taylor, when going through possible fits for Dalvin Cook, suggested Pittsburgh. And again, that's the only person I've seen even online mention Cook to Pittsburgh. I don't think there's any sort of basis for that from Cook's standpoint, from the Steelers' standpoint, from a financial standpoint. So I don't want to spend a, a, a terrible amount of time on this because I think everybody understands why Cook would not come to Pittsburgh. But I do want to mention that because that gained some traction yesterday. Yeah, and that's that's another one uh, that I just don't see happening. You know, there's going to be plenty of suitors out there for him, assuming uh, he is cut. Uh, I can't see him being traded, especially with that uh, contract as, as, as well. Uh, is he willing to come play for $1.08 million? Because that's the only way I, I could see anything like that happening. And look, you know, they've, they've already got obviously Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Uh, it just nothing of that sticks as well to I mean, It's a nice thought to have another experience running back. Look, if he gets cut, he stays on the market, somebody and, and, and somebody in the Steelers uh, backfield gets injured or something along those lines. Maybe we can have that talk, but as things stand right now, uh, this this team's in, you know, other than the third running back spot, uh, which we've talked quite a bit about as of late, 
you know, there, there, there's there's no room on a roster for a veteran like that. Yeah, and nor would Cook want to come to Pittsburgh to have some sort of definitely, obviously, timeshare role in a, in a pretty significant way. And and when you have Najee Harris, who you're going to have to make a decision on next year for a fifth year option, and with Jalen Warren's promising rookie year, and you're excited about year two for him. Again, there's no there's no way that Cook's going to fit. He's going to probably go to Miami, his hometown team, or I don't know, Denver, Cincinnati, potentially. If he does, if he does go to the North, it'll be Cincinnati, not Pittsburgh. So, um, you know, I like Joy Taylor. I think she's, you know, I, I just listened to an interview that she did a couple weeks ago about her time uh, working with Colin Coward and, and all that kind of stuff. But I just think she's way off the mark here. Yeah, look, I mean, she's a Steelers fan. She should know that, you know, they, 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 they've got a guy in there, you know, in Jalen Warren and, uh, who really had a great, you know, rookie season overall and should progress and be able to be that kind of, uh, change of pace, uh, 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 you know, every down, uh, potential feeling in type of back situation there. So there, there's, you know, once again, you know, barring injury or anything along those lines, uh, there, there's, there's really no, no chance. I, I think he's going to end up in Miami. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, that, that makes the most sense there, but certainly not a trade and they're, they're going to have problems trading them, uh, on, on, on top of it all there. So, uh, I would expect his release to happen later on today as, as, you know, uh, the speculation is, and then, you know, it, it kind of be a free for all, you know, best fit, uh, most money. I guess the only interesting launching point off the cook discussion, and we've talked about this before, but obviously we've seen these teams invest in the running back position contractually. And these teams end up bailing on running backs before their deals are done, whether it's, you know, Zeke Elliott, Dalvin cook, you know, there's a there's an obviously pretty lengthy list of names that, that you could go through. So when it comes to Najee Harris with the fifth year option next year versus either not giving him the option, picking up the option, or extending him, that's where it kind of goes back to you probably do the fifth year option even if Harris has a strong season, just because historically when you offer those long term deals, they don't typically, you know, last that long for for the running back position. Yeah, look, I mean, and and we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, uh, uh, you know, how this season goes for Najee, assuming he can stay healthy, you know, and on the field for, you know, 15, 16 games, something like that, uh, you know, is going to going to make that decision e- e- either very easy or very hard. You know, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the hope is that he stays healthy and if he, you know, uh, has the kind of season that we think that he can have uh, in this kind of bully box. I mean, he's going to get a lot of work in 2023. Then there's a, you know, a very strong chance that, you know, they pick up his, his fifth year option uh, by the deadline next off season. And then, you know, we'll see how it goes, you know, at, you know, after that, because obviously the fifth year option would be for the 2025 season. So there probably wouldn't, you know, you could do a uh, an extension with him, you know, a la kind of the Christian McCaffrey situation a couple years ago. Uh, if 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 need be, if you 
you know, or you can let him play out that fifth year option and see whether or not, you know, because you have control over him, right? You you sure. have the fifth year option, and then you could even string this out into a couple of franchise tags uh, that way. So uh, I think that's way too far out to kind of think about uh, right now. I think the biggest thing ahead of us when it comes to Najee Harris is what kind of season can he have? in 2023 and will that lead to his fifth year option being picked up Mm -hmm. you're right it it is a far out thought but let's assume he has a good year that is worthy of the fifth year option let's say it's a really good year he rushes for 1300 1400 yards 10 touchdowns just a really great season for Najee Harris behind this improved Steelers offensive line there will be the idea of do you give the guy an extension because that would probably well that's for 2025 but um, you know, financially, if you could, you know, get a, a relatively friendly deal, not have to worry about the fifth year option whenever that that year comes for 2025, you know, th- that's going to be a conversation point. And we're going to go back to the whole debate of is it worth extending out a running back or just basically playing him as long as you can play him on his rookie deal, discarding him and then finding someone else to replace him. Look, if he has a great 2023 season, you know, that'll obviously lead to the fifth year option being picked up. Sure, you could have the conversations uh then. You could look at the look at look at the running back market and you know, uh you know, maybe do something like a two-year extension or, or or something along those lines. But uh uh it it would be a rarity, especially when it comes to the Steelers, right? Because normally they don't extend the guys that they have given fifth year options to until they're heading into that actual fifth year. Yeah. I was going to ask about the history there. I mean, there's not been a lot of recent examples of these fifth year options they've been playing on, right? Cause you've seen either not had first round picks or um, these guys declined. Um, what are the examples though with the fifth year? I mean, I guess they did have the decision on Minka, even though he was not their you know, literal first round pick, but he got that done before the fifth year option, right? Well, he, you know, a year after the the decision was made, right? Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the whole timeline. Was it was it a year after the decision? Uh, yeah, because they picked up. Uh, when was his fifth year option exercised? Because uh, he just got the new deal uh, last year. Last year. Then hold on a minute here. So I guess it would have been uh, the 2021 year was. Okay was when they exercised his fifth year option and he obviously didn't get the new deal until heading into that actual fifth year. Okay. So just based on the history, even if Harris has a great season, we're not looking at a a potential even extension talk until 2024 or 2025. Yeah. 2025. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. But it'll be, it'll be interesting for sure. Um, and yeah, I think expectations are high for for Najee Harris and for this run game. I think, you know, the efficiency has to be there. You're hopefully getting a couple more explosive plays, 20-plus yard runs, which takes a whole team effort. It's not just about the running back. It's about the tight ends, the receivers getting involved. But I think Harris has that ability to have a career year in 2023. Look, uh, you you after drafting him in the first round a couple of years ago, this, this, this needs to be uh, a fantastic year for him, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, is there a way you define fantastic year or is it just kind of, you know, I mean, you got to stay, it? stay on there. Yeah. You know, when you see it, I mean, uh, but I mean, obviously got to stay healthy. Uh, I would think uh, minimum of 1500 rushing yards, right? 1500. Yeah. 
I, I don't I wouldn't I don't want to call that the minimum. I mean, if he does, I'm not going to I'm not going to be mad at him for it. But I mean, 1500. I mean, let's say he plays in at least 16 games. You know, that's that's not that's 90 an average of 93 uh, yards rushing. And I, I, I feel like a former first round draft pick the way this this uh, offensive line has been rebuilt. The uh, the idea that they're going to run it a lot. I mean, all right, I'll take a, I'll take 100 yards off that. You know, 14, 1400 uh, rushing yards would put him on an average of 87.5 yards per game over over 16 games played. That's giving him a game off there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you can't would if, if he doesn't run, what does this season look like if he doesn't rush for 1400 yards? Well, I mean, hey, it depends on the exact split between Harris and Warren. Warren's going to cut into that. You know, Harris is no longer this supreme workhorse back the way that he was his rookie year, the way that Le'Veon Bell was in his prime where the dude never came off the field. So there are just going to be some fewer opportunities, I think, for him in general. So from an efficiency standpoint, A, I think he got to get the yards per carry at least above 4.0. I mean, obviously, that's that's even then not that great, but he's been at 3.9, 3.8 his first two years. So let's get in the fours there. Um, get some more explosive plays, which will help out the average, obviously. And yeah, I think if you can rush for at least, you know, 1300 yards, you know, getting close to 10 touchdowns with, you know, four point something yards per carry, uh, with a pretty good run success rate, then, then that's kind of what I'm, I'm shooting for. Okay. But I mean, you, you drafted this guy first, you know, in in the first round and all like that. I mean, he, uh, that, that's the kind of season I'm expecting out of him. Okay. Yeah, and enough. look, I mean, yeah, uh, this is a guy that can catch the football out of the backfield. So I would think total yards wise, uh, no, no, no less than seventeen hundred. You know, uh, I, I would think. I mean, to to me, that would be kind of the floor. I mean, he's the kind of guy that you know, if, if things go right, this could be pushing maybe two thousand total yards from scrimmage. I think the question is, will there be enough volume there to get to 2000? I feel like you have to be that workhorse guy, the way that Bell was, what, I think in more 2014. Well, then why whatever. did you draft him in the first round? You know, uh, well, I, you find Jalen Warren. I mean, like, Jalen Warren's going to be your third down back this year, right? Uh, so a lot of instances. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be out there every third down, but yeah, okay. obviously. But I mean, uh, look, I mean, do you need to give do you need to give Najee Harris 320 carries? No. Right. So I think it's just tough That's to get those, those those historically because like if you had 2000 yards in the scrimmage it'd be a historically good year from from that stat perspective and I just don't know if the volume is going to quite be there. I think they're looking I think they're finally getting off the volume aspect of the running back position and looking at more of the efficiency and not trying to grind this guy into dust by the time, you know, week 15 rolls around. What was uh, Mike Clay's fantasy projections on? I think it was pretty weak on Harris, I want to say. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Josh has been writing the articles on that. I don't think the numbers were very favorable. I think they were pretty low on Najee Harris. And if he has that kind of year, then it's not going to be a very strong year for for Najee Harris. Uh, Let's see here. Mike Clay from ESPN has uh, Najee at... 255 carries, 1,017 yards, six touchdowns, 43 catches, 273 yards, and two touchdowns. So that would put him at uh, 12, 1,300 total yards from scrimmage on almost 
300 total touches and eight touchdowns. Hmm. Yeah, it wouldn't be the kind of year that Harris wants. It'd be he's projecting them pretty similar to what Harris had last year. It seems like. Okay, I would be a. Lo- I I feel like I'd be disappointed if he hit those numbers. Yeah, I would be too. I think if if it's basically a repeat of last year, based on the O line improvements and the offensive philosophy. I mean, again, you'd have to see exactly what happened. Maybe he does miss time. Maybe the O line gets hurt. You know, maybe he's dealing with an injury similar to the first half of last year. I don't know, but yeah, if those are the numbers, then that's to me a, a disappointing season. All right, what 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 what's your what's your uh, minimum of where he should be total rushing yards or yards from scrimmage? Yeah, I don't know if I have a specific number in mind, but I think in terms of what I'm looking for, if I think about what's a really good year for Harris, again, the efficiency being up, you know, 4.0, at least yards per carry, but preferably, you know, somewhere in the, the closer to mid four uh, yards per carry range, 1300 yards rushing again, about 10, you know, rushing touchdowns as a receiver, kind of expecting a bit less because one, I think will have the majority of the third down snap. So, um, you know, my expectations aren't as much there, but we'll say 1,300 yards uh, rushing and say about 1,700 yards from scrimmage is kind of what I'm looking, hoping for. And let's see, who were the leading rushers last year? Uh, leaders. And then obviously health. I mean, the one thing is, and now, now Harris has battled some stuff, but he's never missed the start of a game. He's played in all 17 games his rookie year, and last year he's you know missed portions of game Colts game last year. I, I understand that dealing with the foot injury, the toe injury uh, last year, but he's been remarkably available and hopefully that streak can continue because that obviously dictates generally what your overall seasonal numbers will be. All right. Your top three rushers uh, last year in, 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 in yards, uh, Josh Jacobs, 1653, Derek Henry, 1538, Nick Chubb, 1525, Let's even go, uh, let's, you know, here's a better way maybe to phrase it. Should, should Najee Harris be expected to be a top five in the top five in rushing yardage in 2023? I think if he's around there, that's My, just- Miles Sanders was fifth last year with uh, 1,269 yards. With 1,269 was fifth? Was fifth. Okay, then yeah, I put him at thirteen hundred. So I guess yes, um, based off of just the, the the aggregate yardage number, sure. Okay, but I do want to see what the split is like because we know that Warren's going to eat into those snaps more, and he's going to have a, a pretty clear and defined role, and that is going to take away some of the volume from Harris. Hopefully, though, in order to make him more efficient, keep him fresher, create some of those more explosive runs. Um, and not wear this guy down, which is what's typically happened with the, the Steelers' lead backs over time, whether it's Willie Parker or to some extent Le'Veon Bell. And, you know, James Conner couldn't stay healthy. He couldn't have the work uh, workhorse you know, load. And so I think Pittsburgh's realizing, let's try something different. And uh, Dalvin Cook, who we just talked about there, was sixth in the league in rushing yardage with 1,173 yards. Yeah, I mean, Cook can still run, dude. I mean, he's had, he's had 1,100-plus yards in each of his last four seasons. So, I mean, he's going to make an impact somewhere else. I'm I'm still not entirely sure why Minnesota's dumping him, but they're kind of dumping everybody right now. 
All right. Uh, I don't. How did we get down that? That well, we talk about Judge. Uh, we were talking about Cook, and we uh, went 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 down the Najee hole there. Yeah. Well, let's stick with running back because I think although it's not going to be as consequential as Najee Harris's season, I'm really excited for the number three running back battle. We've talked about that some. We've mentioned McFarland special teams, but I think the the, the newcomers, the rookies, and Alfonso Graham, who made the team from a tryout, uh, you know, invited to rookie mini camp on a tryout basis. And then Darius Hagens, who just got signed uh, the other day. I think those guys battling in in OTAs throughout camp could be a really fun competition to watch this summer. Yeah, we just mentioned Anthony McFarland the other day, who we you know uh, really feel needs to uh, uh, e- either he needs to really have a good good summer at, at, you know as a running back, but he, even still uh, the special teams aspect. And, and it's going to apply to these other two uh, uh, running, you know, uh, uh, rookie running backs as well, too. So uh, you're just going to have to let it sort itself out. But, you know, at least some of the, the, the reports from OTAs have been favorable on these younger running backs so far. Yeah, there's been some buzz on Graham. And I believe it was Jerry Dulac in his chat yesterday was asked about who will be the third running back on this team. And obviously, we're still a long ways away from you know determining that. But he said, uh, his guess would be Alfonso Graham and said he looks like Jalen Ward. Now, I assume that's from an, an, just an impressive standpoint because they're built differently. Graham is small and shorter. I mean, Warren is short, but he's stocky and built. You know, Graham is not necessarily that kind of guy. But, um, you know, Graham's kind of a bit more open field runner, but quality special teamer, can catch, hard-nosed, good effort kind of dude. And that's how Warren got noticed last year. Boy, what a, what a, what a story that would be uh, for, for Mike Tomlin to use once again, right? Yeah, absolutely. So again, it's OTAs and we've had these camp darlings and OTA, you know, buzz guys before and they fall off. Remember, remember, uh, how do you say his name? Uh, Damon Patterson, the receiver from a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, like great first week. That, that's the one thing. And we'll, we'll, we'll kind of tie this into training camp because the schedule just came out yesterday. That first week of training camp, teams not in pads. A lot of guys shine, especially the skill guys, receivers, running backs. And then the pads come on and things go quiet. And can you finish through the end? Um, that always happens every year. I remember Steven Denmark, a, a long corner, a couple of years back, great first week, fades, gets cut, never heard from again. So uh, you have to keep that in, in mind when it comes to training camp. Absolutely. All right. Speaking of training camp, why don't you tell people about the schedule and all? Yeah, the 2023 Pittsburgh Steelers training camp schedule released yesterday. The players will report on July 26th with the first practice taking place on July 27th first padded practice will be Tuesday August 1st and so they'll have that four-day ramp-up period uh, where they'll be in shells no no live hitting no tackling but they'll have that padded practice on the first the Friday night lights practice will be Friday August 4th in total there are 16 practices all of them are at 155 except for the Friday night lights practice and the final practice which is a 10:30 a.m practice kind of an oddball there. Um, but probably just trying to get out of camp as, as quickly as possible uh, that day. So we'll be there every day, of course, and uh, cannot wait for it. Now, do they have the re- do you still do you still have to get the registration uh, like the last yes, couple of you years? Need, you need a mobile ticket. Yep. Uh, those will go on sale June 27th at 10 a.m. for season ticket holders and noon for everybody else. But never had an issue getting those. So it should be OK. All right, and what's the longest stretch that we determined? It was the second string of practices, which I think is what six in is it six in a row? 
Yeah, it's the first through the August 6th. And so whatever that is, three, six practices in a row, that'll be the long stretch of the year. All right. And as we mentioned uh, to one of the listeners in an email, uh, I would suspect uh, at some point prior to training camp that David uh, David O will have some sort of article about what's the best way, especially for people that have never been before to kind of experience, you know, the whole training camp thing and things to do and, 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 and that kind of stuff if they're coming. Yeah. If you've never been to training camp, highly recommend. I know obviously people are, are all over the country. Not everybody can attend, but it's a great time. Uh, it's a great place, Latrobe and, and St. Vincent College. But if you can't be there, of course, we'll be there with our, our daily diaries and recaps. And we've already gotten a lot of good feedback and people who seem excited, excited to, uh, to read the report. So cannot wait for that. And you usually sit right in the middle, halfway up, don't you? Yeah, it's usually my, my territory right around the 50 about halfway, try to catch some shade depending on how many people are there. So yeah, easy to spot. I'm the nerd with the binoculars and the and the notepad and all that kind of stuff. So I'm easy to find. All right. Uh, what else do we got to, to, to talk about here? Yeah, not a ton else. OTAs wrapping up and some players speaking yesterday. Connor Hayward spoke about, you know, he's more confident in, in year two, not questioning himself, says the offense kind of feels reflective of that with a lot of other second year guys and Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, Jalen Warren, you know, improved offensive line, et cetera. So uh, we'll see how Connor Hayward's used. I think it'll be generally similar to his rookie season, probably a little more backfield fullback type of action with Derek Watt being gone, but it sounds like he's still going to be viewed as this, you know, tight end H back chess piece type of player. But a guy that, you know, we talk about year two jumps and obviously the focus is primarily and rightfully on Pickett and Pickens, but it can be on guys like Connor Hayward as well. I tell you that one thing that really stuck out to me, and I've said this about a couple of guys, you know, I I think in these interviews uh, so far uh, during during OTAs, uh, he really, it seems like in a year's time, thinking back to his rookie season uh, interviews about this time, he he seems like another one that's that's really uh, matured and uh, talks more like he's been there a couple. Of years. And, they, you know, that's the kind of stuff that that, that you would expect and all like that. Uh, it, it felt like he really grew up <laughs> real, real <laughs> fast uh, with him. And uh, uh, he just sounded a lot more confident. He said he's a lot more confident. He's saying, you know, even though he kind of had a good grasp on what's what's what what went on you know, uh, uh, this time last year about his confidence. Well, now he's not, you know, he's not questioning himself, you know, as much now on plays and all like that. So that's good. He's got a a lot firmer grasp as would be expected, uh, you know, in in a second year. Mike Tomlin all the time talks about second year jumps of players. Uh, One of the things that really stuck out to me uh, last year with with Connor Hayward specifically, and we kind of knew this a little bit with him coming out of Michigan State and all. uh, What what a for a guy his size and all and build, he's got a really good catch radius, really good hands. I think as look, he's never going to be a a, a, a premier uh, uh, blocker close to the line of scrimmage, but we did see him used in some of that split flow uh, stuff, especially later on in the season of him at least doing 
a good job in the attempt category. Obviously, most of his better blocks with, with, with some of that split split zone stuff were were kind of cut blocks, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, those were effective. I thought more than not later on in the season because of his size. And we talked about this all you know since the day he was drafted. He's never going to be a guy that you're going to really make a habit out of attaching to the end of the line of scrimmage. Uh, good effort there. It's just you're asking him to do mu- too much in a lot of those situations, but uh, he is a guy uh, that, that you can move around in that offense, uh, H back, you know, split out, you know, kind of in the slot. Uh, obviously we didn't see hardly any fullback stuff, right. Uh, uh, last season. But mm-hmm. uh, if you did use him in that role in 2023, you could probably do some creative stuff, creative stuff. And look, uh, I'm, I'm all for, uh, and and they did to, to their credit, they did use Derek Watt a little bit more with the ball in his hands uh, last season. But a lot of that stuff was, you know, the, the, the dives, you know, the, the short yardage stuff, which, by the way, the Steelers wraps. If there's if there's one, one tiny hat to hang your hat on when it comes to the Steelers offense. Uh, last season, it was short yardage, right? And not mm-hmm. just not just running backs with the ball in their hands. I'm talking uh, wide receivers, uh, 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 tight ends. You know that any any time that the ball was put in the hands, even quarterbacks, the quarterback sneaks were were very effective uh, last season in third and fourth down with one or two yards to go. I wrote about that uh, 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 earlier this week as well too. Uh, you know, so basically, you know, coming out of last season, if there's one thing to hang your hat on with this team, it was third and fourth down, uh, one or two yards to go. They were, they only had one fail, I think. It was something like 27 out of 28 or 28 out of 29 uh, 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 attempts when it comes to that kind of stuff there. So back to, to Connor Hayward, you know, if indeed we see him more as, as a fullback, a true fullback role in 2023, you could do some, I think some creative stuff, leak them out of the backfield runs. How about the will is undefeated, right? (laughs) Uh, He looked good on it. Yeah. Look, I mean, uh, will we see it a ton? No, but yeah, he's, he's, I think he's got the skill set where you could do that, you know, especially if you have good setup plays for that kind of stuff, you know, where you put them back there and, 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 you know, early in the game, and maybe you you know, you run a you know full uh, run run a, a lead lead block you know situation with him, but then you come back and maybe do something where you wheel him out th- those kind of things. I think he has proven that he can catch the ball out of backfield. So do do we expect Connor Hayward to have more touches? I mean, obviously more snaps. We would think, right? Sure, and probably more touches. Right, and and that that's where I'm going. I think you can get more uh more more. Uh, offensive snaps out of them and more touches uh, out of them overall. Yeah, I'm with you. The value in Connor Hayward is through his versatility. It'd be a disservice to him and his team if he's only doing one thing, lining up at one spot. And I don't expect that to be the case, which was basically the story last year. But I think you can probably even do more with him this year. I think this guy can carry the ball a bit. You're right. They did do some kind of fullback bellies with Derek Watt and he's got some size and just, you know, it's hard to stop on third and one. But I think with Connor Hayward, you know, who's a former running back, was playing that position full time before Kenneth Walker transferred from Wake Forest to Michigan State. And that bumped Hayward to more of that tight end type of role. But, yeah, I think you can do a lot with him. 
Um, as you mentioned, those constraint plays, whether let's say you, you know, you boot and throw the Hayward in the flat, and then later to go off your idea, you, you boot and you have Hayward run the wheel. And so you think you're going to kind of fake the flat there, then Hayward bursts up field and get a big play out of that. I think in the Canada based offense, it has a lot of, you know, fair amount of play action and bootlegs and kind of space concepts into the flat, uh, these kind of three level reads where you're getting flat, uh, kind of this over route and the corner route, um, kind of, you know, easy progression for the quarterback to work. You're going to get some opportunities there. So, yeah, I think Hayward can certainly make an impact in a lot of different ways. I want to see him line up on the slot. You do some empty stuff with that big 13 personnel with him, Washington, Frymouth. I think, I think that's exciting. That's attractive. How about some 23? <laughs> you can do 23, yeah. If you want to bring in Gentry. And again, I think there's a lot of mixing and matching personnel-wise you can do. And then special teams. You know, he was a pretty much a four-face mm-hmm. guy last year. And I think he played two-thirds of the special team snap, which is basically everything except for like field goal block and, and field goal rush. And so... You should continue that role there, which is even more important because you've lost some of those special teamers, including uh, Derek Watts. So he's a guy that's going to not going to have, you know, great overall numbers. It's going to kind of be popcorn. Some weeks will have four catches. Some weeks he'll have zero. He'll play more, play less, depending on game plan, game circumstance. But um, a guy that's going to be a really valuable member just based on all the hats he can wear, all the things he can offer you as an offense and as a team. Over or under three and a half carries for Connor Hayward Ooh. in 2023. Is that I'm smashing good? the over. I'm smashing the over. How many did Derek Watt have last year? He had more than three, right? Yeah, he had, he had a bunch least, of those third and short. Yeah. Uh, how many? He had nine he? carries maybe I need last to, year. Okay, maybe I need to raise that then. I'm locked in on three and a half, though. I'm okay. taking the, the right, line. Right, <laughs> uh, how much should I put you down for? Uh, <laughs> All of it. Uh, $2. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Last year with uh, call, it, call it ten. You want to call it ten on Hayward? Let's go ten and a half. Let, let's. Okay, I let's, like it. Let, let's let's push it. You still? I'll take, I'll take the over still, just because on I think car- on carries, right? Sure. I'm not talking. Yep. Okay. On, on carries. Um, I mean, because you can do some stuff that you couldn't do with Derek Watt. You know, to, to seal the game against the Raiders. You think about the uh, touchdown to George Pickens, but it was the Connor Hayward jet right. sweep that that sealed the game. You can do that kind of stuff with him. Did he also eight- have one similar to that? It was what uh, again because he had one of those uh, third. He was he showed up in the third and fourth down, uh, one to two yards against Cleveland uh, mm-hmm. late late in the season. Wasn't that the same thing? The yeah, it was the the week eighteen finale. So yeah, right. it was a similar. I forget the exact play, but yeah, it was it was the same concept. And so you can do that with him. And I think. Although, you know, that third running back will emerge, they're not going to carry two running backs and Hayward's not going to be like the true number three running back, but you could, you know, I don't know how many snaps Alfonso Graham or Hagans or somebody might actually log. And so Hayward could kind of be used as that third running back in some, you know, certain situations. How about total touches over or under for Connor Hayward? Let's see. Last year, Watt had uh, 14 and Hayward had 14 last year. Is is 17 and a half a good over under number? Man, I think that higher. feels, that, I think feels higher. that feels like a that feels like a lot of touches. I don't know. I, one, I guess it's one a week. You know, a little, little bit more than one a week. Yeah. There's gonna be there's gonna be games where there'll be games where he gets like zero, but there'll be games where he's gonna have three or four. Touches. I mean, again, all all that boot stuff that they're going to do with him, I think that's going to be an asset. So I I would put it at at 20. I think I I think I still take the over on 20. What about 20 and a half? Would you? 
Yeah, I'm still taking the over. Okay. All right. I'm so not playing long, blackjack long, rules. Hit me on, yeah. on 20 and a half. Long, long story short, we expect uh, to see uh, more of Connor Hayward in 2023 and quite honestly, expect him to be effective. Yeah, because the guy barely even like the first quarter of last year, he didn't play offensively. Obviously, he was just, you know, feeling things out. He played on teams, but not on offense. So most of his stats came the last half of the year. Um, and I actually he did play a fair amount against Tampa Bay because Frymouth was was concussed and that one did not play. But um, yeah, I think I think Hayward, you know, he's not going to get 50 touches, but I think 25 seems reasonable. How many snaps did Watt play last year? Uh, Watt had 70. Oh, Con- Connor should crush 77 because he played 100 and something mm-hmm. himself. Yeah. Uh, uh, last year, uh, I guess the question is, is what? what would kind of be his uh, ceiling as far as offensive snaps played last year, he played 174. Uh, He should be able to easily reach 200, I guess uh, over under on him probably be around what? 225. Yeah, that sounds about right. I don't know where I stand on the number of snaps. It'll be more than his rookie year. So I think 225 to 250 is about the range he'll be in. Okay. All right. Maybe, maybe around 250. All right. So once again, you know, the, the, my, my, my takeaway where we sit on him and I'm, uh, you, I'm sure you feel the same is uh, very, very positive uh, with him at this time of the year, especially to hear him talk uh, to the media on Thursday. Let me ask you just one more Hayward prediction question that I think might be a tough one to answer. Does Connor Hayward play more snaps on offense or on special teams in 2023? He plays uh, 284 on teams. Yeah, right? he's going to be a core guy. He's going to be a guy that you want out there uh, quite quite a bit. Uh, so I, I would still say that he finishes the season, you know, assuming he stays healthy, yada, yada, all the qualifiers there. More special team snaps than he plays uh, offensive snaps. It'll be a closer gap this year, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I would still take special team snaps being more than his offensive snaps. Okay, fair enough. I think I would too, but I'm with you. I think that gap will be pretty considerably. It might it might end up even for all we know, you right. know. But right. uh, uh, I would still take the special teams number being higher. All right, Dave. Anything else from OTAs that you heard from any players? I know Leal spoke about you know not even knowing how many positions he lined up in last year. Um, I guess he feels more confident this year. Still, maybe a bit unclear in terms of how he's going to be used, but you know, ready for whatever is coming his way. Yeah. And I don't want to go back down that rabbit hole. We yeah. talked quite a bit about that, but uh, I, I think one of the, uh, one of the uh, uh, things that you, that you'll probably be looking for right out of shooting in training camp is how, how he's used. And obviously once we get into uh, it, it, this is going to remain a mystery overall to us until uh, we see more on tape. And it's really hard uh, to, to, you know, we, we had this conversation in direct messages yesterday with kind of the group and all. And I think uh, Jonathan Heitrud wrote a little bit about it uh, yesterday as well, too, based on Leal's comments and all. I mean, it, we don't have enough really tape on him to, to really make a firm evaluation yet. You know, we still relying quite a bit on on his college tape overall uh, with him. And, and just because he was moved around that, that poor kid's head had to be, been spinning because, you know, as you brought up, he spent what, five, six, seven weeks on IR. Mm-hmm. So he had his, so he got behind the moving train, if you will. And then to, to come back and then to play, you know, uh, kind, kind of the positions that he's asked to play, especially later in the season there, uh, 
it's it's just he's a real real hard player to gauge about what they actually have in him at this point and hopefully some of those mysteries will be able to get a firmer grasp on the firm the, the far, further we get into the offseason here yeah again be watching for that is one of the top things I'll be looking for especially cuz like during the first four non padded practices there's still evaluation that you're doing, of course, but my primary focus is basically on, okay, who's lining up where, who's running with what team, so I can kind of get a baseline level of that and can think about that le- less when the pads come on, the evaluation kind of really ramps up, um, and I just kind of want to get a good starting point for how players are being used and where they're being used and those kinds of things. And so just some uh, you know, assignment alignment standpoint on Leal, I'll be watching for that very closely, those first four non-padded days of practice all right really the only other real take big big takeaway with otas uh now over with and, and getting ready for man, mandatory minicamp now is the fact that all these guys that were quote unquote kind of dinged up and you kind of wondered how much uh level of participation and 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 all that they would have early in the summer i think a real uh uh positive uh, progression with all those guys, Cole Holcomb, uh, Alan Robinson talked about how he's, he's really getting his kind of first full, uh, work at this point. Uh, and obviously those two are, are, are newcomers there. Uh, Calvin Austin, the third, I mean, the, the reports overall have been very, very, very strong when it comes to him. Uh, uh, the Steelers even released a couple of videos of him and it looks like he's, you know, pretty much at full speed and has the speed there. So I think just uh, an, an overall health health takeaway uh, with this team right now is that they're in very good. I mean, even though I don't know what level that Cole Holcomb's out there, you know, doing stuff in teams or, or not teams, but even just kind of the individual stuff, it seems like he's moving real good. So that would be just another takeaway is just, you know, overall health of this team looks very, very, very strong at this point of the summer. And hopefully that carries over into the the, the, the next three practices in mandatory minicamp. Yeah, I'm with you, Dave. Uh, with Austin, just good. And it seems like he's a full participant. I mean, it's nice to hear about the speed being there and him looking good. The environment is conducive to the success of a small fast shifty wide receiver like Austin. So once the pads come on, obviously once he gets into a game, those are all going to be the critical components of the evaluation, but still good to hear better to hear that than to not hear these positive things. And, you know, again, another thing we'll be watching for uh, pretty closely once camp ramp uh, ramps up. Uh, do you remember how many plays of 25 yards or more that Calvin Austin on offense uh, that Calvin Austin, the third put up in college? I do not. That is that is Dave Bryant territory for sure. I'm going to read them off to you. I don't have them committed to memory, so don't feel bad. I, I'm, oh, I'm, sh- I'm, shame. I'm cheating. Dave. I'm cheating here. Uh, receiving alone in 2021, 14 plays of 25 yards or longer. 2020, 12. 2019, 4. And 2018, 9. So it went 4. Uh, 12, that's 16. He had 30 receiving plays of 25 yards or longer, uh, rushing, rushing wise, uh, of 20 or longer had one, 
looks like uh, two in total there. So I think 30, uh, they don't break them down by 20 or longer when receiving, but 30 alone when it comes to the receiving aspect. Uh, the Steelers could use at least half of those, couldn't they? Uh, 15 explosive receiving plays. Is that, that's, that's probably pushing. That's probably pushing it as far as expectations for Calvin Austin as a receiver. Uh, what would you put as an over or under on receiving explosive plays of 20 yards? Or uh, let's just put explosive plays in total because uh, he's obviously going to get a jet sweep or 12, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, assuming he stays healthy and all. What would you like to see as far as explosive play? production out of Calvin Austin the third in 2023 and this is again the fine 20 plus yards from scrimmage? right right and okay. and all all plays you know sure. uh, rushing re- receiving all like that can he hit yeah. 15 that, that, feels a, that feels a little rich doesn't it yeah I mean just because the volume's not going to be there obviously he was a game breaker at Memphis he was also getting the ball a lot more because he was you know one of their top probably the top weapon they had I mean if he can get you know, four or five. I was thinking lighter. Just, I mean, how many catches do you think he's going to have this year? And it's going to be a lot of the short stuff, some of the space stuff. And he he can turn those into big plays. But the NFL, you're not going to do that on a on a you know routine basis. So I was thinking five or six, like five, yeah, five or six. You know, get maybe five uh, receiving, one rushing. I mean, if he gets more, fantastic. But I mean, he's a, a number four receiver, a rotational guy, probably going to play 35 snaps a game, touch the ball four or five times a game, roughly speaking. Um, so I'm going to be a little conservative with the number. Well, they need these explosive plays to come from somewhere. Yeah, they do. I mean, we've talked about that ad nauseum, and it's still a true point and one worth talking about over and over until there's change, until there's improvement. Uh, the, the downfield passing game has to be better. Be better. There has to be more yak opportunities to create some of those catch-and-run situations. Uh, name of the game in the NFL today is big plays, and mm-hmm. Pittsburgh has not had enough really since 2018. All right. What has stuck out to you the most over the course of these last three weeks? Yeah, it's hard to know what Mike, sticks Mike, out Mike the Mike can drive a golf car, uh, a go-kart. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So can Najee Harris. Yeah. yeah. So can Najee Harris. Um, yeah, not being there. It's always, you know, I, because I am in that camp experience, I kind of just wait for that. I mean, A, the health of the team, uh, everybody participating is going to you know, be important, especially defensively. Mika Fitzpatrick talked about the defensive chemistry. And that all sounds good right now, but hopefully, you know, it's able to create some some progress and uh, smooth out some of those bumps that may come up with, with the new faces, new pieces there. Um, to hear the good things about Mark Robinson, I'm biased. So maybe that's why I'm gravitating towards it more. Cause I've kind of been more of the, the pro Robinson camp than maybe some other people. I think he still could have a great shot to start week one over Landon Roberts. And it really sounds like he's had a good OTAs and getting a lot of reps with Cole Holcomb, not working in team. I think also a thing that's kind of sticks out is, uh, I mean, you got a, new, a lot of newcomers obviously in that secondary and all, but, uh, uh, a lot of guys with experience and all, and it, you know, obviously, Pat, you know, if something busts in that secondary, I don't think Patrick Peterson. I think it's going to be easy to pick out on on the on, on the TV tape uh, <laughs> uh, some scoldings uh, as well as even the all twenty two because I don't think Patrick Peterson's going to uh, ha- have a problem with uh, quickly. Uh, letting people know maybe where the bus came from. 
you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and my overall takeaway from, from all this is the fact that I mean, you've got guys that have played a lot of games in that secondary, right? Uh, Patrick Peterson, obviously Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, I mean, Wallace has been on the field enough uh, 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 now. Uh, even James Pierre, God forbid, he had, we we have to see him. You know, assuming he makes the team, uh, has to get on the field. Uh, Neil, right? Uh, Casey, uh, all these guys. You've got a lot of experience there. Even on top of, I mean, you, you're obviously going to be excited about your two new young corners in in, in Joey Porter Jr. and and, and Corey Trice. But uh, just get the feeling that those guys are, are quickly getting on the same page with each other. Yeah, it sounds encouraging, but it is June and everything looks good right now on the whiteboard. And when you map things out and you're running, you know, your card and everything's kind of more at a bit slower type of speed. And and once you face that, that tough, you know, schematically creative 49ers offense week one is really when the test begins. But yeah, it's good that everybody's healthy, everybody's working, everybody's there because um, they're valuable reps to get right now. All right. Uh, what else do we have to talk about today? Anything? Yeah, I was going to ask you about my article I wrote yesterday on Kendrick Green. My assessment, my short answer in the title of the article was, the Steelers failed Kendrick Green. Kendrick Green did not fail the Steelers. Is that a is that a fair, albeit broad assessment? Yeah, absolutely. And 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 you know, as we've you know talked about, you know, almost right out. First and foremost, the the the, the pick surprised me uh, overall, and uh, I never saw it coming, especially in the round uh, that it was, and then. You know, some of the comments that that Mike Tomlin had made, you know, during the rookie season and all like that, them just insistent on sticking with him as long as they did, because the problems with him right, right out of the shoot. Uh, I mean, and he he has spoken about this as well, too, you know, uh, to some degree and, and how much he really didn't enjoy center right out of the shoot and uh they they haven't done him any favors at all. And then fast forward into his second season, he was just there primary, primarily because they had the pick invested in him, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. uh, he obviously didn't 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 play. And now, you know, it, 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 it's almost you see what they did during the off season and and the positions. You know, it's almost back to. All right. Well, either you're going to make it at, at center or you're not as a backup. And I, I kind of have my doubts whether or not he is, you know, obviously is going to make it or not. And it just, it, it does seem like he was set up, you know, to, to, to fail right out of the chute. I mean, from the evaluation uh, on. Yeah, I just think it was one of the worst evaluations from the standpoint of what Pittsburgh said they were getting, what they were hoping to get, and what they actually drafted. I mean, just to go back to Mike Tomlin saying they wanted a, you know, four-year guy. They didn't want an underclassman. They wanted somebody that was, you know, basically day one ready, and Kendrick Green was none of those things. I mean, not even close. <laughs> I just don't understand how they whiffed that bet. It's like they it's like they put the wrong name down on the car, like they were drafting a different player. That That's how different what they were saying they were getting and what they needed and what they actually drafted was I think in a different world. You know, if green got the sat, maybe he could have developed, maybe he would have had a chance. I still think Pittsburgh was the wrong scheme for him. I think if he went to a real zone heavy system, you know, the old 
you know, Mike Shanahan, Alex Gibbs style. He goes to San Francisco. If he could be like a Shaq Mason, the squatty athletic body. I, I think that would have been his best shot, best opportunity to win in the NFL. But to me, coaching is all about putting players in position to succeed. And Pittsburgh did not do that one iota with Kendra Green. Man, where do you think his confidence level's at right now? You know, and, you know, nobody, yeah. you know, he's got, you know, he, you know, I'm not a fan of, of, of players reading the press or, or blogs or anything like that. But, uh, you know, and, you know, uh, you, they also can't stay in a bubble. To, you know, he sees it. You know? Oh, yeah. He knows oh, yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine what it was like his rookie year. It had to been just hell, you know, just just all the pressure, all this weight. Because uh, initially, obviously, draft pick people loved him, and there was initial positive press about him, and that went away real quick. And yeah, it, it had to been a, an extremely difficult year. And the guy's young. I mean, how old was mm-hmm. he coming out? And you know, underclassmen. Um, I mean, just 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 a tough situation. Right, and I, I just wonder where his head's at right now. You know. He's probably in a bit better because he's probably learned quickly to block all that out. And he probably reads less of that stuff now. And it's also just talked about a bit less because he's not a starter and there's less expectations. There's really no expectations for him. But yeah, backup center right now. We'll see. That position is open. It is vacant. So, you know, we'll see what happens. All right. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, you know, obviously I agreed with, with everything that you wrote in there. I mean, if you, I, I know we're kind of beating the, the dead horse here, but like, why do you think they drafted this guy? Like, what do you think they thought? What did they miss so badly in terms of evaluating this guy in terms of what they were looking for? Man, I, you know, I, 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 if you drafted him in a sixth round, fifth, fifth or sixth round, are you even having, you know, are you even questioning it at you're you're still probably questioning it, but probably not as much. I don't know. It, it, it just felt like, uh, oh God, we didn't, we didn't get one of the centers that we wanted. We got to draft one here, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, Clem, Clem, Clem knows the much, the most about about him, you know. Uh, so some, I, I mean, it's obvious somebody missed somewhere in there, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I think, and again, I'm, I'm speculating. I don't want to put the blame on any one person. It's an organizational call. That you know, drafting is not about just one report from one guy, one dude's opinion. But I think Adrian Clem, the former O line coach, had a lot of sway with Kendrick Green. He's the one that went to Illinois, helped work this guy out. And I think, you know, the Clem hire was obviously not the right hire. It just kind of makes sense. That's probably one reason why he had a quick exit in Pittsburgh. Yeah, but you've got check, checks and balances in there sure. with scouts, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Again, I, I don't know what the reports were. I don't even know what Clem's report was. And again, Tomlin and Colbert bear the responsibility. They make the call. They make the pick. But I my my guess in my head is Clem had a, had a good report on Green at his pro day because that was that was COVID year, right? Well, yeah, it has to be right. Or was this it? This is his third, third. This is his third season, right? I'm getting all, the up. whole timeline runs together. I want to make sure I'm not. Uh, 2021. Yeah, 21. Yeah. So there was no combine that year, mm-hmm. right? There was a 2020 combine because that was right before everything shut down. So you had less information to work with. It makes the pro day more valuable. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, a weird one for sure. I think it's I think it's the worst evaluation, not necessarily the worst pick because it's not a first rounder. It's not quite as consequential, but I think it's the worst evaluation that Kevin Colbert ever made as an organization. That's pretty strong. Uh, is what 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 could be worse? I mean, I mean there, it, there are worse misses yeah. in like you know Devin Bush, but just again from the standpoint of 
Like if they draft, it's like drafting Devin Bush because you loved his size and run stuffing ability. Like that's how different it is with Kendrick Green. Like with Devin Bush, they missed. He he got he got hurt, a little too small. But those are misses that are pretty typical. A guy just didn't work out for kind of more typical reasons. For this, it was again, it feels like they draft. They were trying to draft a different player. Right. It, it, I, it's a big miss. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Hopefully, like, turn turn it around. Like again, Sanquez Golson was was. The worst pick the court in my rankings, but yeah, that, that's not like a misevaluation. That's just an injury, and there was no return on investment. It's 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 harder to really blame the team for that, as bad as it, it as it turned out to be. But I think Green is in that unique camp of um, just totally getting that one wrong. All right, where where else are we going here? Anywhere? Uh, let's see. Let's probably get to some reader emails and close out today's show. All right. Uh, let me pull them up here. See what we have. Andrew Parrish, uh, this just came in 11 minutes ago. Hey, guys, long-time listener, first-time email. All right, uh, two questions. First, what is a realistic stat line for Pickett in year two? Will he be top 10 in yards and TDs? And second, I understand all the concern on a defensive side with the inside linebacker and D-line, but how is it this team's biggest concern the secondary with a lot of new faces in the room and a lack of a true slot corner. What is the biggest question mark on defense? Well, we just talked about uh, the team's concerns in the secondary with a lot. The new faces don't, don't bother me when it comes to that talk as much as it does what we've talked about all off season with a true slot corner. Yeah, I mean, I've had that concern though about the the newness in that room. I wrote the article that was my my one big concern: the growing pains that may come along with that unit. So I, I think it all kind of coincides with the slot corner changes too. But yeah, I we've talked about that and, and recently discussed that. Uh, he says, I understand all the concern with, uh, but how is it this team's biggest concern? Yeah, I mean, we Andrew, we've talked about how there are overall. Oh, overarching concerns in the secondary i'm i'm i guess you know i'm i'm getting a little bit uh uh recency happy just based on some things that i'm hearing out of out of these veteran guys you know a lot of these new faces and all like that so uh, i'm less concerned about the new faces and still really concerned about because i mean true true slot corner i mean that that's become almost an every down position now in the nfl you know sure Absolutely. You know, so I don't think we've downplayed in any of that, uh, uh, Andrew. I mean, it is, it obviously is going to be interesting to see what, uh, how the inside linebackers shake, shake out this year. You know, I mean, I think that, that, that's another, uh, part of this. And look, you've had turnover on a defensive line. It is going to be interesting to watch this entire defense come together and come to come together quickly. Yeah, I think it'll be a crucial part of this. So, and you got to stay healthy in training camp. Hopefully, that 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 rings true. Um, yeah, it's not it's not insurmountable, and it's it's a veteran group of guys that are coming together. It's not a ton of rookies. There are some, obviously, in Joey Porter Jr. We'll see what role Corey Trice has, but you know, Cole Holcomb, Landon Roberts, Patrick Peterson, Keanu Neal—they're veteran type guys, and so hopefully, they're going to gel quicker. But I think there will be some growing pains to, to deal with. All right, realistic stat line for for Pickett. Uh, I'll, I'll read off what Mike Clay at ESPN has here. He has uh, 320 completions on 497 attempts for 3,417 3, yards, 21 TDs, 
12 interceptions, 34 sacks. He's, he's, he's predicting there. Uh, that would be two sacks a game uh, there. Uh, I'm, I'm less worried about statistical output with Kenny Pickett more so than actually just seeing what my eyes tell me as far as the jump goes. Sure. I think the specific numbers, red zone production, those kinds of things carry more weight. But if you want to just give the, the broad base numbers, those sound about right to me in terms of what I'm expecting. Somebody asked me in my, my mailbag yesterday, I think I said something to the effect of, you know, over 3000 yards. If you could, if you could get to 20 plus touchdowns and keep it under 10 interceptions, I think it's probably going to be a strong year overall for Kenny Pickett. Just again, 30,000 foot view. And those numbers are generally in line with kind of what I'm thinking. I think top 10 statistical category in both yardage and touchdowns might be hard for him. If he, if he hits it, fantastic <laughs> uh, there. But I mean, I'm looking back at, at, at last year alone uh, across the NFL. Jalen Hurts was 10th overall in passing yardage with 3,701 yards. He had 22 uh, uh, touchdown passes, just six interceptions. Boy, if you could get a touchdown to interception rate like that out of Kenny Pickett, uh, fantastic. Uh, there, uh, if you if I told you right now, Kenny Pickett had 22 touchdown passes and six interceptions, you'd take that in a heartbeat, wouldn't you? Today, yesterday, tomorrow, I would take that all day. Yeah, I, I think top 10 I'd take and- the 3,700 yards passing as well, too. Yeah, and in the 10th uh, ranked touchdowns, it was a Big tie with 25. That might be more achievable than the yards. But I still think he's not going to finish top 10 in passing touchdowns. I, I think I think a, a, a realistic takeaway after the season that he, that he ends up in top 15 in passing yardage and, and touchdowns. I think touchdowns, if he stays healthy, I, I don't really – I don't think that – I don't know who was – 15th last year and touchdown passes Andy Dalton with 18. So obviously we hope he could at least hit that, right? Yeah. He better hit at least that if he's playing all 17 games, because there's got to be some multi-touchdown performances. I don't think he has one in his career. And and I think the numbers will be depressed a bit just based on this run heavy offense. They're not going to throw the ball a ton. Ideally, obviously you get down late. That'll, that'll change the script, but yeah, again, throw, I'd I'd like to have I I would like to have and look his adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat needs to jump uh, the closer it can get to seven the better that's going to be a measuring stick uh, for me I mean it definitely uh, needs to be over six it needs to be over six and a half quite honestly uh, there so that's that's one metric that a lot of people don't pay attention to that I obviously do that I want to see a jump in I think I think there's a legitimate possibility that we could be talking about Kenny Pickett finishing top 15 in the league in both passing yards uh, touchdown passes touchdown to uh, interception ratio uh, all like that I think that would be a nice jump for him to have and obviously statistics and tape might not match. I would obviously want the tape to match the, you know, uh, the stats in it, but I think that's the more realistic line with him for his second season. Yeah. I think that that's a good assessment. Dave. Uh, let's see where else should we go here? Michael 
Galupo writes in, Colin Coward comments uh, and Kenny Pickett. Hey, guys, continuing off of uh, your conversation from Wednesday, if you could have steered the Steelers offseason in a direct in a different direction, would you have or were there too many pieces in place? Najee Pickett to even try. Uh, let's see. On that note, this season comes down to Kenny Pickett. The optimist in all of us hopes for a Pro Bowl type season from him. But if he plays mediocre or even bad, are the Steelers going to be looking to find that piece at quarterback to take our offense to the, to the next level? Uh, of the Chiefs, Bills, or Eagles. Apologize for the long question. Hypotheticals, just some thoughts uh, listening to the Wednesday show. All right, back to uh, uh, the, if you could have steered the Steelers offseason in a different direction, would you have, or were there too many pieces in place? Well, I, I think he makes a good point there because, you know, how much, especially on the offensive side of the ball, how much, and, and that's something we kind of covered, how much, how much different, could this thing have even looked offensively during the off season? And, and yeah. to me, it's, it's not very, to me, it's not very much, you know, outside of, you know, we talked about the potential. Okay. And it would have been outside the norm had they gone out and got a you know, franchise high priced left tackle, but that, that would have impacted your draft obviously, and all they went out and traded for Allen Robinson, which was a little bit of a surprise. I mean, no, no, nobody saw that coming. Uh, they already had, a, you know, they did go out and address the interior offensive line in free agency, which was a welcome uh, direction that they took. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, to, to reverse engineer, once again, playing off what we said, the other, you know, how would we have steered this much different than it would than, than it went? Sure. In my Omar Khan report card, there were a couple of, you know, particulars I disagreed with some of the inside linebacker stuff, but there's not one big move that they missed out on where I sat there and said, man, they, they should have done this move. That would have been a game changer. I mean, there's things you can go back and nitpick and, you know, things I, I liked more than others. I, I think I think they should have re-signed Cam Sutton over Patrick Peterson. I think that would have paid okay. what Detroit paid Sutton, which was a hefty amount, what, three years, 33 million. I know the Peterson obviously is playing for less than that. I think that might be one of their biggest miscues. They could have done both really, if they wanted to. What sign Peterson and Sutton. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Peterson would have come to Pittsburgh, but they could, they could have signed Sutton financially. They could have done that without really an issue. Correct. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they could have made that work. Yeah. So I think that looking at it, looking at it, as we sit here on, on June 9th, you know, sure, sure. Um, so I would say that's probably the biggest mistake that they made, um, but it's never going to be perfect. So I think it's overall a good offseason. All right. As far as Kenny Pickett goes, I, I don't I mean, unless it's just awful, I mean, bad, awful. I don't think this team is is turning around and looking at the the next draft at the next potential franchise quarterback. Yeah, probably not. Although, do you give any weight to the fact that Omar Khan and Andy Weidel didn't draft Kenny Pickett? They didn't make him their guy? The old GM did? No, I, I think everybody was... Uh, no, nah, nah, I'm not... I'm not I, I, I think they... I think Khan and them were probably still on, but I don't think they would try to distance themselves that, that quick from that. No. Well, Weidel wasn't even in Pittsburgh when right. Pickett got drafted. And I don't know how much Khan played a role in, in the process because he wasn't. Well, I'm saying I don't think Weidel would, would either would would take the course of action. So, well, you know, I wasn't here, you know. 
Well, I mean, just intuitively, when you draft a guy, you kind of have more of a connection. You want to stick with him more, especially when it's your quarterback. You feel like you have ownership of that. And if you didn't draft the guy, I do think it's a bit easier, not just for quarterback, but for any player to kind of cut bait because he wasn't your guy. Plain and simple, I, I'll, I'll leave it at this. I don't think they are looking at Kenny Pickett as uh, a – What's the word? Crescendo season, you know, where pass fail, where where any whatever we see this year is going to be a, you know, move on or or keep, you know, type type situation there. Right. I was just playing a little bit of devil's advocate. I mean, I expect, you know, A, I'm not thinking about it much. Let's get through the season. We can talk about Pickett's future after the season. It's just kind of all, you know hot air right now to, to talk about. I expect Pickett to be the starter in 23 and 24. And, you know, from there we'll see. Um, but I'm just kind of thinking out loud about, you know, how Pickett got drafted. All right. Zach Stevens, uncle Dave and cousin Alex. Thanks for the great draft off season coverage. I know perfect depth depth is impossible. Uh, are there any other positions relatively in the solid? He says, uh, impossible to achieve in the salary cap area. And we all know Dave's feelings on the fungibility of the running back position. Are there any other positions relatively close to running back in terms of fungibility? That's a good question. Uh, some will say inside linebacker, off ball linebacker defensively is the running back of the defense. I don't, I, I don't know the way they've kind of gone through these inside linebackers. I don't think that's very fungible at, at, at all. Or it's extremely fungible. I don't know. They're, they're, you know, changing them like socks. Uh, well, they, I mean, in terms of pro, you know, can, I think of fungibility as being, can you throw damn near any, anybody in there and still have okay. some, 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 some success to some degree. Now, look, does that mean you don't draft a running back at all and you just play the, the, the 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 free agent uh undrafted free agent game every year no but i uh definitely when it comes to first round and all you'll it's going to take a lot to ever get me a, away from the fact that i don't like i don't like to see teams spend first round picks on running backs uh sure. period now as far as fungibility of position goes my my first thought after reading that is is, is no they're uh there's no other position that comes relatively close to having a fungibility aspect of it like running back. That would be think, my initial thought. I think the argument for inside linebacker, up all linebacker is just in the way that if you have a good offensive line, any basically any running back you put back there is going to have success. If you have a good defensive line, your off ball linebackers are going to work cleaner. They're going to look pretty good because of that. And it's kind of, I think, the relationship that people view off-ball linebacker, running back. If you, if you have a good line in front of them, the guys that are going to have success, enough success to, to allow you to win. I know this is a bit blasph- blasphemy as, as far as, you know, because I love guards. I love I love guards. Well, but, you're gonna, oh, don't do that but, to poor but guards. But could, could guard be the next closest fungible position on an NFL team? To running back. Now, I still think there's a huge, huge gap in there. But could you get a wet? Could you win with an with at least you know only one average guard or below average guard? And I think the answer is yes. I mean, look at look at the look at the line the Steelers had <laughs> so, several years ago uh, uh, when they won when they won a Super Bowl by the end of the year, right? Uh, 
I would tend to think if there's a next closer fungible position to running back, it might be guard. Is that fair? I know you've seen some aliens because you've been abducted and they have brought somebody else back. I can't believe I'm hearing this out of Dave Bryan's mouth. I, uh, it's the least valuable position of the offensive line. The tackle is more important. The center is more important. It's just hard for me to have fungibility. At, at I, I'm just saying the next, I'm not saying it's, it's sure. very fungible. I'm just saying, could it potentially be the next closest? I still think there's a, don't get me wrong. I still think there's a wide gap there. Mm-hmm. But could it potentially be the next closest fungible position in the NFL? I'll still say inside linebacker is more fungible than guard. I would the the that from the most fungible to the least, I would say running back one, inside linebacker two, and then maybe guard three. Although tight end, some offenses that either your offense revolves around your tight end and it or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, then you can probably, you know, still win. Yeah, but that, that tight end still better be able to block. Sure, but you can get cheap blockers. Like that's not hard to find. It's hard to find the receiving guys or the well-rounded type of guys. Okay, I would still contend that guards and and I, once again, I think the distance is way way out there. But I mm-hmm. I would say that maybe guard would be the next closest in 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 uh, to running back when it comes to fungibility. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let's get to one more here. Uh, Brett, nah, this is another long one from Brett, so I'm only going to take. Uh, one part of this, I'll take the first part of it. Maybe we'll hit the other two in a future podcast here. He says, the drafting of uh, Washington is reminding me a lot of former first round uh, tight end Eric Green out of Liberty. He was a planet theory guy with similar dimensions, 6'6", 280, billed as an offensive lineman with wide receiver skills. He was a good player, but had but had a hall of fame of, of or bust type of hype. So I think a lot of Steeler fans were disappointed with him overall. He says, do you remember Eric Green? Sure, I remember Eric Green. Yeah, I remember. I'm I'm 55. Uh, and what are your thoughts on the comparison, both as a player and high expectation? Man, I mean, you're talking such a span of, of years, though, and, and how, you know, the NFL has evolved, especially at the tight end position there. Uh, I mean, Eric Green was obviously a, a, a monster at that time in, in, in the NFL, uh, for sure. Uh, I'm trying to think back. Well, you know, you remember Eric Green more as the as the playmaker. You know, you obviously didn't have all 22. All You know, what this is going to end up doing is going to end up having me going back down the rabbit hole, watching Eric green, the blocker. But I mean, from Mm -hmm. what I remember, Eric green was a pretty ferocious blocker uh, at the time there. Uh, I guess what he's asking here is, is the hype. Look, I mean, Eric green is a first round pick. Washington ended up being a third, you know, Uh, but is there the same level of hype of Washington Compared to Eric Green way back then, I mean, look, the, the hype on, on, on Washington's huge, I think. I mean, uh, uh, not so much maybe as, as a receiver, although it's there on tape. I mean, the catch radius, uh, the stuff after the catch, you know, he just, they just had so many damn weapons there at, at, at Georgia, right? I mean, 
What if what if that who was it Bowers? Brock Bowers, yep, Brock yeah. Bowers. What if Bowers wasn't there? How much more would have would 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 Washington have been used? Could he have been used in the passing game? You sure. know, it would have been. Uh, I think one of the things, uh, maybe one of the more alarming things, was just the red zone uh, production uh, with Washington coming out of Georgia. But I don't think that was his fault because he just wasn't. They didn't have to. You yeah, know, they ran the ball. Uh, 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 down there and all. So let's see. Did uh, do you remember? And and are what are your thoughts on the comparison, both as a player and high expectations? I like the player, uh, in 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 Washington, especially the blocking aspect. And as far as the high expectations go, I think a lot of it depends on how he can what he can offer this team as a receiver more than anything. Cause I, I mean, I'm going to be very disappointed if he's not as advertised as a blocker. Uh, I think the biggest question there is what can he offer this team uh, as, as a pass catcher? And I think that's where really his ceiling might be able to be expanded coming out of college. Does all that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's hard to compare the two. I, I mean, I get the comparison kind of freaky tight ends. Um, I think Green's going to be, was, and will be a more explosive playmaker as a receiver. I think Washington will be a more impactful blocker. In terms of hype, I do want to maybe pull back the reins on Washington a bit. I think he's going to be a contributor. I think he'll be an impact player. I don't want to assume that he's going to be this like all-world tight end out of the gate. I think no, we, we, we talked about that with uh, him and, 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 and like uh, Kittle and all. I mean, he, he, he's a lumber. You know? Right. But I think some people are expecting this guy to be like, you know, super high end receiving and make these crazy plays consistently. Now, look, can, can if used properly, could Darnell Washington be a 10 TD reception guy with, with the Steelers? If he was a focal point of a passing game more than he probably will be in Pittsburgh, yeah. I mean, because of the size, you know, makes him super attractive. Now, here's the thing. He's going to be competing with guys like Fryermuth for because for, Fryermuth has proven when thrown thrown the football in the red zone, he can get it done in there as well, too. And obviously, there's, there's probably not going to be enough footballs or passing TDs to go around. But mm-hmm. if he was with another organization that, had intent that drafted him with the intention of being an every down tight end. Could he be, could, could he put up not, you know, uh, 10 TDs? Could he put up 700 receiving yards? You know, could he put up 50 to 65 catches? I think it's possible. Sure. I think it's possible too. I guess my point is just for Pittsburgh and still there is going to be a learning curve for him to make that jump, even though I think he's more refined than most college tight ends. There's still things he's got to work on. It's not always going to be pretty. There's going to be some quiet days. I, I just want people to understand that, that don't expect the moon for this guy right where, away. Where I, where the excitement uh, should be when it comes to a guy like Washington and the thing that's had me most excited the whole time has been his ability to block and uh, and then added on top of that, even, even though it was limited usage, uh, I thought he's got a great catch radius. 
I think he's, you know, uh, nimble enough uh, to get you much needed yards after the catch uh, type of thing. I think coming out of college as is, if you got that same player, uh, I, I, I would be thrilled with that. Yeah, I would too. I think he's a really unique guy. Like I said, one-on-one player in the draft, but there are some things to work on. Um, I don't think he's this super fluid, you know, huge receiving threat in terms of the between the twenties open field pass game. He'll make some plays there. Uh, I can, I just number two tight end in a run heavy offense. And it's going to have a lot of weapons, you know, as a rookie, I I just don't want us to assume this guy's going to, you know, take the, the world by storm out of the gate. All right, because this guy can block at the end of the line of scrimmage and out of space, whereas Firemuth right now, when it comes to Firemuth's blocking, he is he is a much better player out in space than he is attached. Yeah, 100%. All right, uh, thanks for that, Brett. Maybe we'll hit the, the final two parts of this uh, Monday because there probably ain't going to be a lot to talk about and uh, probably not too many emails by then, so maybe we'll hit, hit more of these. Uh, anything else to add, Alex, as we get out of here on a Friday? What are you doing this weekend? It's a good question. I don't have any plans. Anyone who want to recommend some things, hit me up. Uh, I do want to let you guys know that on Monday, uh, barring something uh, changing, but we do have a plan for Monday, a really cool new article series. It'll start uh, with a special guest uh, doing some writing for Steelers Depot. So just to tease that, hopefully uh, the, the plan is for it to go up Monday. And uh, if it does, we'll talk about it on Monday's show. All right. Sounds good. You teased that well. All right. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. Give us your Najee predictions. What, what, what's, uh, What's 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 expectations for Najee Harris in 2023 in rushing yards and yards from scrimmage? How about that? Uh, if you want to support the site, SteedersDepot.com. Uh, hit the uh, donate button. Also, if you'd like an ad-free version of the site, studiosdepot.com, hit the ad-free button up right navigational bar. Obviously, all emails, the terrible podcast at gmail.com. Have a great weekend, everybody, and thank you for listening. And as always, thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex.